This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. On the eighth edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, the first of two for this week, we catch up with the Eastern Devils player that's leading the Canadian invasion, Amy Legault. We head across the Apple Isle to catch up with Tasmanian state coach Trent Bartlett. Christy Perry explains the formation of the new Evandale Eagles. Girlsplayfooty.com radio chief analyst Daniel Hill takes on the challenge of naming Victoria's best 18 women's footballers. And we replay our post-match interview with VWFL Player of the Day, Jane Lang. All that coming up on the 8th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holton. Thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. And a shout-out to the crew at girlsplayfooty.com for hosting this podcast on their Facebook page and Twitter accounts. And don't forget to go to girlsplayfooty.com, where on the right-hand side is now the 24-7 radio stream with a range of interviews and, of course, the match of the day every Sunday from 1.30pm. I do need to make special note, though, special note that this is the first of two podcasts for this week. There will be another podcast coming out the next 24 hours or so featuring WA and SA women's footy, plus hopefully a uh, rundown of what happened in the AFL Sydney versus AFL Canberra game. Keep your eyes peeled over the next 24 hours for that second special podcast. Let's get into our interviews. We begin with a Canadian. Amy Lego. Everyone knows her as Lego, the superstar of Canadian women's footy. And she joins us on the line. Uh, Lego, tell us, I believe you were a soccer player to start with. How did you get involved in Aussie Rules footy? Um, well, I was playing pretty high-level soccer. I was playing semi-pro for about four years. And I just wanted to take a break because it, it was full-on. And um, I discovered footy through uh, my brother-in-law, who was Irish. And um, he started playing Gaelic football, obviously, in Ireland, and moved down to Montreal and uh, got involved in the Aussie Rules community and got my sister and myself involved and haven't looked back ever since. Uh, for you, how long did it take to try and get a hang of the skills? And I think the one thing that trips up everyone is obviously the bounce of the ball. Uh, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I would say the bounce is actually pretty easy. It's more um, the kicking technique. Uh, coming from soccer, you... You know, you're not used to holding the ball in your hands, and uh, you turn your hips a little bit, a little bit more, so you got a little more power. But in footy, it's really trying to uh, break those bad habits. So I would have to say that the kicking really—that's the hardest part, close to the bounce. Now, of course, over the first couple of years, you picked up numerous player awards uh, in the AFL Canada competition. You represented AFL Canada, first of all, in the 2011 International Carnival. And in 2011, you chose to come to Australia to play with the Eastern Devils. Um, what drove you to come down here and what originally hooked you up with the Devils? Um, so I, be- I began my journey, yes, uh, January 2011. Um, I told myself I need to prepare for the International Cup, so uh, why not come down and play with the best and learn from them and just immerse myself in all the greatness of football over here in Victoria. So I had contacted um, the majority of the clubs um, in Victoria, in the Premier Division that were, uh, Premier, sorry, Premier and Reggie's at the time. I'm not sure if they were called Div 1. And um, I contacted the ones that were in my area, and uh, the Devils were the only ones who said, yes, we have room for you, and we always have room for any new players coming on board. So that's how I got uh, linked up with the Devils. They were just uh, an open community, uh, great girls, uh, great club, 
and just wonderful support group and it was such a welcoming environment. And of course, after that, um, you went back to Canada and you had the uh, privilege of captaining the Canadian Northern Lights side, who in 2014 uh, took out the uh, AFL International Cup title against Ireland. You were also named player of the tournament. You, you must have been uh, the proudest punch with, uh, with that honour. Uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised for the individual honour, but um, I have to say that I'm, I'm so proud of, of the girls and just um, our coaches, all the preparations that came, came with it. Um, it wasn't just uh, one month in the making. It really was three years from 2011 to 2014 that the entire uh, playing group, we just set our hearts on what we wanted and we put in the hard yards all together. So it, it really was an honor to captain the side, but I have to say that uh, watching my teammates shine on the field, that was, that was just outstanding. Women's football at the moment is still amateur football. It's not like the men at the moment who are obviously not only at top level, obviously who get the big pay packets, but at suburban football where it's semi-professional and they can earn several thousand dollars a game for some of the top players. Uh, what drives someone like yourself to virtually put your life on hold and come all the way down to Australia for a chance to be picked up in the draft for two exhibition matches? What's it like? Um, I have to say that uh, it's pretty scary. Um, you you have your heart set on something, and uh, you just have to say, "I'm in or I'm out." So um, you just you just say you have to commit, or you're going to just stay on the fence for the rest of your life. So I, there's no regrets. I've made my decision, and I've come over here, just immersed myself into it, and I I want to learn from the best, and I just want to be around this amazing football environment and uh, it's such a wonderful community. There's been a lot of talk, obviously, in the Victorian women's football community that since the two AFL uh, women's exhibition matches that the professionalism, the standard and intensity of women's football has gone up. For you, it's your first chance playing alongside Australian footballers at the Victorian draft game. Did you did yourself notice a difference in the intensity and the skill level and the professionalism compared to when you last played in the VWFL? I have to say in the past uh, three years, the standard really has picked up. Uh, skills are outstanding and just the, the pace of the game. It is such a quick game. Like in the Vic draft game, there was you had no time with the ball. You had to know when you were kicking it before you got it and yeah, or else you would have got smashed. So yeah, big improvement. You've played in both the Victorian draft game at Witten Oval and then uh, this weekend the Queensland draft game uh, up at Metricon Stadium. Do you, do you notice a difference in, in style of football between the Victorians and the Queenslanders? Uh, style of football is a little bit different, but I have to say that the Queensland girls, uh, they obviously they've put on so much work over the past few years. Uh, t- they are such young, talented players. Um the pace of the game was a little bit slower, but I have to say that uh, it was a pretty similar match between Queensland, the Queensland draft and the Victorian draft. Uh, for you playing in that Queensland game, uh, who were some of the girls that, that caught your eye that you felt were pretty impressive on the day? Uh, playing with the Lions on the day, I have to say that um, out of all the players in the field, Zilks really, um, she, shone, she really shined out there. Um, also, Emily Bates. Uh, they they pretty much they dominated the midfield. A um, couple others uh, were uh, Rachel. I'm not sure of her last name. She played on the Lions as well. 
And uh, on the opposing side, I believe her name was uh, Jordan, Jordi or Jordan. She was playing number five for the Gold Coast, and uh, she was awarded Player of the Match. Uh, she just caught everything in sight, and she was all over the ground. Now, unfortunately for you, you didn't have much recovery time after that game. I believe you actually uh, backed up the next day in Victoria for the Eastern Devils. Yeah, I uh, couldn't miss round one. I flew, uh, I flew over to Melbourne um, early morning and then went straight to the game. Uh, had to had to grab my bag on the way. But uh, yeah, I was there and uh, it really was great to be around the Devils again. And uh, round one... <laughs> I guess we made history all over again. Uh, we had two new captains and um, outstanding, outstanding performance. Yep. For the Eastern Devils, for those that may not know, around the rest of Australia, uh, last year they only won the uh, two games and they were against uh, the Bendigo Thunder who'd been relegated to Division 1. And I don't think many were expecting much of the Devils this year, but to knock off uh, the preliminary finalists from uh, last year, Melbourne Uni, in the opening game, that's a big scalp. It was. Uh, Melbourne Uni are a very talented side. Uh, through the midfield, they always have five players coming through, uh, just running in support, always playing with the hands off, and uh, some really strong uh, runners through the midfield, like uh, Ella Blackburn and uh, um, Ashmore, C- Caitlin Ashmore. Uh, just, just great players. But um, I believe the Devils, we played four quarters of strong, solid football, and... Um, our team structures really um, pushed us to the end. And it's fair to say a Canadian invasion at the Eastern Devils as well. Of course, you not being the only Canadian there. No, um, actually, uh, Kendra Hale, who um, came down to Melbourne last year, uh, she was playing with the Devils, and uh, she was actually um, co-Bess uh, and Fairest last year. And uh, we also have Leah, who's uh, from the Hamilton Wildcats, who's over here as well. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting to have uh, Canadian, Canadian teammates coming down and hoping we can really uh, represent for AFL Canada as well. On Monday night, the 20th of April, it will be the uh, first uh, AFL Women's Draft for 2015 to find out who gets in the uh, Melbourne side and who gets in the Bulldogs side. Uh, where will you be spending Monday night? I will definitely be at the, the draft announcement at Eddie Head Stadium. Um, it's it's just a great experience to be around everyone and um, no matter what the outcome is, uh, it really is just an honour to be um, sitting with uh, the most talented footballers in the country. Any preference, Melbourne or the Bulldogs? Uh, none whatsoever. Uh, it's just uh, it's just an honour to be involved. <laughs> Now, I should add as a post note to our interview, I sent a text by uh, Amy afterwards. She said, thinking about it, she'd like to be selected by the Bulldogs because A, they're the underdogs, and B, their coach is Craig Starsevich because she gave a thumbs up to that because he was a former Collingwood player. Hang on, is that a good thing? (laughs) I only say that because, well, hit the song. See 
Sorry, sorry. Got a buzz. Bombers beat the Hawks over the weekend, and I'm very happy with that. Let's get back on track here, and let's go across Bash straight to Tasmania for the first of our two interviews over there. The first is with the Tasmanian State coach, Trent Bartlett. Big job ahead of him as they take on AFL Queensland on Sunday, the 7th of June, up at Burpengary. Now, they uh, were pretty close against uh, Queensland last time around. They ran them good for three quarters until the Queenslanders got away to win by 50 points. Maybe they can narrow the gap this year round. Trent, first of all, um, how did you get involved in women's footy in Tasmania? Uh, how much time have you got, Peter? <laughs> uh, I, a few years back, I think it was about uh, five years ago, I was, I was working for AFL Tasmania and sort of fell into a meeting about women's football and sponsorship and, and those sorts of things. I was a commercial um, operations manager for AFL Taz and then as a part of evolving talking about women's footy, I just happened to mention, oh, who's coaching the girls? And at that stage, they hadn't really had a coach. And I sort of made a, uh, a, a remark as I walked out the door, well, let me know if you can't find one, I'll, I might give it a go. And I got a phone call about a month later going, look, we'd love it if you could coach. <laughs> so I really did fall into a Peter. So uh, that was my introduction to women's footy. And then very, very quickly, we had to, um, well, I had to get my head around women's footy and, and go and have a look at it and, and try and put a squad of 26 girls together to go to Adelaide and play in the National Carnival, which Tasmania had never done before. So... It was a, uh, a probably a, an eight to ten week program that was very very fast and and light and quick and you know a lot of resources as well. But we did it and we had a great time and we won a game where we got flogged by two. But we had a great time and it was, and it was the start of uh, representative footy for for the girls anyway in, in Tasmania. And it's been a long road, hasn't it, for the Tasmanian girls? I guess if you look at the comps in SA, WA, Victoria, which have been around uh, at least since the eighties, and for Tassie only starting somewhat eight to nine years ago. Yeah, look, it's uh, credit to all the girls. That, uh, I think it was 2005 or six that they um, they got together and decided, um, I think it was the Clarence and, and Hobart Footy Club got together and decided that all girls from that area decided they want to have a, have a game and, and um, not necessarily have a competition, but wanted to have a, you know, a regular few games throughout the year. And they got together and did that and, and it's evolved. And, um, and then sort of AFL Tasmania got on board two or three years after that. A little bit of assistance early on to help them with footies and grounds and bits and pieces and rules and stuff like that, but really left them to their um, left them to themselves until um, they started to get more teams involved. And then sort of AFL Tasmania have come on board and um, sort of really started to grow. There's seven teams now playing and, and virtually a statewide competition, which is which is great for the great for Tasmania. And last year, despite the end scoreboard showing something like a 50-point loss to uh, AFL Queensland, reports are that you did push them all the way, which is impressive, I guess, when you look at the money and the resources that have been put into football in Queensland, particularly south-east Queensland. Yeah, look, the girls acquitted themselves very, very well. And we knew in the back was, you know, we're gonna be, it's going to be a, a tough challenge. And even though we're playing at home, it's um, a big ground certainly doesn't necessarily help our girls. They normally play on the smaller grounds around the state. So playing at uh, Blunston Arena on a big big ground was going to be a challenge also. And you know, witnessing what Queensland can do at national level at the championships the previous two years was certainly a little bit daunting for some of our girls. But they uh, we, we stuck, to a, stuck to a plan and we, we got the girls as fit as we possibly could in the time frame that we had. And, and they um, not played within themselves is the wrong thing, but they the girls are slowly learning to do what they can do and do it well and not have to do everything and that's sort of um, it's something we're trying to put into the girls that they know your role sort of thing play your role and play your part and, and, and it's a team game so uh, everyone's involved and you'll get success like that but the girls were good they were um, you know I think we were three or four goals down at three quarter time or something like that then the Queensland girls got on top of us their fitness and their and their ability to use the ball better than our girls certainly uh, stood out in that last you know last 20 minutes of the last quarter but they, they did a pretty good job and that was a pretty good game for you to watch 
The comments that have been in Victoria and WA, who've obviously had the most players involved in the AFL women's exhibition matches, is those players that have played that elite game, they've come down, have all of a sudden it's filtered through to club level, where all of a sudden the clubs are now themselves in pre-season preparation getting more and more professional. Uh, you had your first state training session uh, last Saturday. Have you noticed over the last year or two that shift towards professionalism filtering down to Tasmania? Look, certainly for the girls that played in um, in the state team programs over the last four or five years, the level of professionalism and their level of wanting to get better, um, wanting to learn the game, wanting to get physically get better, their conditioning, absolutely. I think across the board, footy still in Tassie's, you know, it's, it's evolving and it's just beginning. It's not a, it's not a first choice sport for, for our young athletes. Um, and that's where we need to get it to. It needs to be that, you know, they still play their netball first and their basketball and those sorts of things. And we want them eventually to choose footy as a first choice sport for, for the uh, for the girls. So, um, look, pre-season training for the state uh, state um, teams is, is always a challenge in Tassie because it's quite, uh, you know, it's quite small, the, the geographical region of where everyone lives um, and getting people to one central spot. You know, they're travelling two, two and a half hours most of the girls to get to the middle of the state sort of thing to train. So sometimes we have good numbers, sometimes we have bad numbers, but the girls that certainly get along are, are, are extremely committed to uh, to improving their footy and, uh, and and hopefully putting on the jumper. Uh, you will go with a squad of uh, 23 up to Queensland, up to Burpengary on the Queen's Birthday weekend to take on Queensland. Uh, what's the initial amount of numbers that you're starting with in the early stages of uh, the state team training? Well, we're doing a little bit different this year too than we have in previous years, but previous years I've had uh, I think we had 60 girls turn up for, for training the first time we did it before we went away to Adelaide a few years ago, then about the same again to Cairns. And last year we got a little bit more targeted when with, the, with the game against Queensland. So we, we knew the better girls and we invited them in and then we invited a few additional girls that we, we heard on the grapevine that have come in to try out the game and see what they were like and then we'd go and watch them play. So it's more of a, uh, the girls we know absolutely come along and then it's about assessing now over the next two or three weeks or months of the season starts this weekend for the girls, so about you know who's popped up that hasn't played footy before, that's got some talent, or who's really improved. It. Yeah, grab her, bring her along. She's she's really improved. I think she can fit in. So we sort of it's slightly changed how we've done it. And I think it's a better model, giving the girls who represent the state the opportunity to come back and do it again. But then we need to go through and hand pick a few others that are you know stepping up or seen some big improvement or have got some genuine talent. We want to expose them to what the game can be at, a, at an elite level or at a better level than what they're currently getting in their own uh, own club environment. So that's what we're trying. It's a bit of a balance of picking some raw talent, but obviously picking some girls that have been around the traps and can play as well. So trying to get that mixture right. We're just a couple of days away from the AFL Women's Draft being held on uh, April 20. Uh, from what you've seen from the Tassie Girls training, uh, how many do you think could be a possibility of uh, being picked up by Melbourne or the Bulldogs? Oh, look, I think realistically, Perth, this year we, we probably won't have anyone. We didn't last year. We had Maddie Smith the first year. Look, our girls, um, certainly the conditioning and, and, you know, they all play different sports. So then footy's not an afterthought for them, but they know they're going to do it, but they sort of rocking up to do it, you know, a month or two out or a month out from the season starting. We, we've got to get our, like I was saying before, getting the girls to be a first-choice sport for them. So our girls are probably a little off in terms of uh, the elite conditioning that the AFL girls, the AFL draft girls who get picked up will be at. So I think from that point of view, I don't think we'll get anyone this year, but certainly the um, Lee Earl has come on board at AFL Tasmania and part of his role is, is the women's and get it up and going and get it running and, and he's certainly got some aspirations that we get some girls drafted. 
in the next few years and, and not just one or two, but, you know, getting up in there in six and sevens, sort of getting drafted and getting their, putting their hand up for that. So it's going through a, you know, a transition or a, um, a growth a growth development phase for us down here. And we wish Trent all the very best for Tasmania up against Queensland on Sunday, the 7th of June at Burpengary in Queensland. Staying in Tasmania, and there's a new side in the Tasmania Women's Football League just out of Launceston, a town called Evandale. And the Evandale Eagles will be playing for their first premiership points this weekend when they host East Coast. And that's why we have on the line Christy Perry. Now, Christy, how did the Evandale Eagles come about? Uh, well, I was just one night having a conversation with my cousin. He said that we should try and get a women's team up and going. So I went to the general manager of Evandale Eagles and we set up a Facebook page and it sort of just exploded from there. Uh, for those on the mainland, explain Evandale itself as a town. It's a little country historic town. Um it's 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 ten minutes from Launceston. It um is great little town of good communities, strong. It's had the football club up and running for 123 years this year. And yeah, it's just a great little country village. So, very family orientated. So so you said you made the uh, the Facebook post. How long did it take for for the um, players to start coming in and putting their hands up and thinking about pulling on the boots for season twenty fifteen? So I put the I started the page at about nine thirty at night. I posted it on a few Launceston buy and sell pages, and by nine o'clock the next morning, I had over two hundred likes. That is incredible. 200 likes for a little town 10 minutes out of Launceston. When was the first training session for Evandale held? How did that all come about? What were the original numbers like? Yep, so we had to wait for a a go-ahead from AFL Taz to be allowed to enter the competition. And once that was started, we had our first training session in October, early October. And our numbers were strong. We had 10 to 15 on our first night. And that's good to hear. Good, strong base to build off of. And as you mentioned, you had to get the go-ahead from AFL Tasmania. Um, I guess many people have never had to go through that uh, process of, of starting up a club. So what happened? What some of the criteria and stuff that you had to meet to make sure you got the thumbs up and you were in the competition? Well, because Tasmania's only little, um, they were welcoming Evandale with open arms as long as we had a good structure. And we had the club, the senior club, behind us we had to have the club behind us, in other words. We couldn't just do it off our own back. And it's good to see that you got that support from the club as well. You're heading into your first game uh, this weekend with East Coast. What is the squad numbers looking like at the moment? How many players do you have to pick from? Um, we've got pretty strong numbers, 30. And that's, uh, that's good to work with, particularly, obviously, you've got to account for. Unfortunately, injuries do happen through the season. Uh, who's been appointed coach for the inaugural season and uh, how did that selection come about? and he's been a senior player at the Emmerdale Football Club for um, nine to ten years. And uh, for some of the women's sides, they've traditionally had a strong junior girls and youth girls as well. Uh, has that program also been in place at Evandale? Yep, so they've got a Oz kick, which we are promoting to younger girls to get through as well, now that they've got the step, stepping stone up into the women's side. And what goals has the coach set for the year? I mean, obviously everyone would love to win the premiership, but you're obviously in your first year and it's baby steps first. What's some of the goals that have been set in place for for you to try and achieve? Well, we've already achieved a few of our goals, which is to get a side together. 
and good numbers at training. So obviously our first goal would be to win a match. Have you actually had any pre-season games so far and uh, what's it been like? Yep, so we've had two pre-season games against um, the other Launceston side. Our first match, we were only probably 10 max training runs under our belt. We got absolutely belted. Um, we had a few sore bodies afterwards, but what we took out of that, we couldn't take out of any of that experience out of training. And then we they held us another match at Hillwood, Launceston, and... Um, we scored the first goal, which was the biggest achievement ever, our first scoring. We never scored in the first game, so we were pretty wrapped with that. And I believe as well that two of your girls might have been invited to uh, train for the State League side. Yep, so two, Montana and Georgia Hill, they both made it to the State side. They're both first-year players. Montana has had history with football. She's been an umpire, but... Um, George is just naturally talented and they've both done really well. We're so proud of them. We wish Christy and her Evandale Eagles all the very best in season 2015 and let's hope that they can get a win or two. Now, before we talk with Dan Hill and Victoria's best 18 women's footballers, I've got to say thank you to all those who have liked the previous podcast. First of all, Tanya Hetherington, happy birthday. Uh, Cheryl Schmond, Sally Young, Dolphy Destructo, Meg Ballantyne, Janice Chamberlain, Donnell Sutherland, Shannon Field, Meg Hutchins, Emma Zelke and Sasha Doherty. Thank you very much for liking our previous podcast on the Facebook page. Now, uh, over the week, I set Daniel Hill a task to try and come up with Victoria's best 18 women's footballers and then try to put them all into one side. It's obviously having to find the positions for them. Daniel, you've got the task. Start with number one. So number one on my list, Dan's first 18. We've got Daisy Pierce. There is only one Daisy Pierce. There's no one better. She's an absolute superstar of the women's game. If there's a Hall of Fame starting tomorrow, she's straight in. Number two, Astro O'Connor. Of course, absolute superstar of the game. Best rock woman in the game. And she deserves her spot at number two. Emma Carney, number three. I think the best midfielder in the game. Um, and probably deserves her place outside of Pierce, I think. When I say best midfielder in the game, I probably should say best centre woman. I think she plays the, the middle of the ground really, really well, whereas Pierce is more of the, the following type. Uh, Mo Hope, best forward in the game, gets in at number four. Um, she's just an out-and-out star. As I said, probably can kick the 100. I've mentioned that various times. Uh, number five, Mel Hickey. Number six, Steph Chochi. Seven, Katie Brennan. She probably won't be happy with that. But uh, Mel Hickey at number five, absolutely pants in the exhibition game last year, so that lowered her colours a touch. Uh, number eight, Elise O'Day, second half specialist. Uh, number nine, Ashmore from Melbourne University. Absolute gun best, sort of second one and a half tall defender in the, in the competition. Can't play on the absolute big guns, probably still too young, but that second forward that can damage, she can she can bounce back the other way and really hurt them. Uh, Ten, I've got Ali Blackburn. Uh, Eleven, Vasilo, who's really developed into a, a nice marking forward and a, a really, really solid player. I've got Hutchins from the Eastern Devils, really solid across the back. Um, still deserves her spot as an elite player, and despite playing for the Eastern Devils, she's an absolute gun. Uh, at uh, 13, Maddie Kerrick can play anywhere. Absolute gun. Um, just needs to. She should be in the top 10. She's getting there. She's knocking on the door. But uh, just out, outside. Uh, number 14, I've got Lou Stevenson. Still trying.
trying to find a position for Lou Stevenson. She's almost too good of an athlete. Can't really find a spot for her. Uh, but she's a 14. Really like her as a player. Can play anywhere. Loves the big grounds. Uh, Arnell at 15. Probably the best small forward going around at uh, at this rate. I know uh, Jane Lang probably would have a few question marks around that. But uh, I'm, I'm putting Arnell up there as, as the best forward pocket going. Uh, I've got Jenna Bruton at, at, uh, at 16. Uh, for mine, she's probably the best player at St Kilda now. Uh, and certainly with the most potential. I know they've got a, a few stars down there, including Hope and others, but when the game's on the line and it needs to be won, we know who's going to be kicking the ball to Mo Hope, and that's the Jenna Brutons of the world, and I think she's a star down there at the Sharks. Uh, Alex Quigley, a young up-and-comer. She's, uh, she's one to look out for. She's at number 17. Hopefully, uh, hopefully she'll get her way into the draft this year and get to prove herself. And uh, every side needs a serial pest. Not a bad 18 at all, but a few notable omissions there, Dan. Now try and put those 18 into a side. Across the ground, the followers. O'Connor in the ruck, Pierce and Carney on the ball. I'll go from the back. Audley in the back pocket, Hutchins, Ashmore. Halfback, Stevenson, Hickey and Kerrick. Across the centre, Blackburn, Chochi and Bruton. Half forwards of Aceo, Brennan and O'Day. And the forwards are Quigley, Hope and Arnell. Thanks very much, Dan, for taking on that challenge. Do you agree with him? Is that Victoria's best 18 women's footballers? And is that the positions that they should be playing in if they're all together on the one side? Make sure you comment on the Girls Play Footy Facebook page and uh, let the debate begin. Now, last week we had uh, Darabin versus Diamond Creek as our girlsplayfooty.com VWFL match of the round. It was a 39-point win to the Falcons. And our player of the day who won the $50 Rebel Sport voucher was Jane Lang, and Daniel caught up with her on the boundary. Yes, Pete, I've got our player of the day, Jane Lang, of course, voted by me because I know absolutely everything. Jane, you were fantastic today, but as I was just saying to you off air, they really took it to you early. Yeah, they did. We always expected that they would come nice and hard. Every every time we play them, we know that we're up for a really physical challenge. Um, and I guess for us, we just have to continue to keep getting better to, to be able to make sure that we can come, come away with a win each time that we play them. Now, I know uh, plenty of glove work down there today. I think you, you took everything cleanly. Where are you getting those gloves from? Because I, I know there's got to be a bit of ability behind it as well, but you do not drop a thing down there. It's uh, it's all in the mind, I swear to God. Everyone goes, why do you wear them? I go, because mentally now I have to, because I've worn them for so long. But, um, yeah, no, I must have been just a bit lucky today. <laughs> so you finished with the three goals. The supply today probably, probably wasn't great. You had to create your own chances. But later on, you, you started to really get things moving. Yeah, we, um, we certainly managed to settle in um, later into the game and it, um, it certainly opened up for us and we could uh, lead up a little bit more at the footy and, and hopefully and we did get a little bit more cleaner entry. Well, thanks for joining us on Girls Play Footy Radio. You've won the $50 Rebel voucher and uh, good luck for the rest of the season and I'm sure you'll probably be in the players of the game uh, a little more often because I'm, I'm one of your big fans. So thank you very much. Thanks very much. And again, congratulations to Jane on winning the $50 Rebel Sport voucher. And we do remind people that the girlsplayfooty.com radio is a volunteer production and we're on the lookout for sponsors, including to be able to cover the uh, Player of the Day award. If you're interested, feel free to contact us via our Facebook page or send an email to girlsplayfootyradio at gmail.com or if you download the Girls Play Footy app from the Google Play Store, there's the email button in there as well and you can reach us via that way. 
That's it for the eighth edition of the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. Edition nine will be coming out in the next 24 hours or so. Told you it's a bumper week. We'll be catching up with Alana Dickey from Swan Districts. We'll also be catching up with Narelle Smith from Morfittville Park in the SAWFL and hopefully as well someone from AFL Sydney to give us a recap on that Sydney versus Canberra representative women's match. I'm Peter Holton. Thank you very much for your company and bye for now.